Shortly after Craig asked me to speak, we uh, traveled to the Glen Rose area for vacation. And while we were there, we visited the Creation Evidence Museum. And the goal of this museum was to research and display scientific evidence that supports creation. To look at science and fossils that prove that dinosaurs and man walked the earth at the same time. To look at other evidence that disproves evolution and points to God as the sole creator. <clears throat> this caused me to think a lot about our creator and the beauty and magnificence of his creation. To consider the power of God and the complexity of this world around us. When considering creation, we find that the earth was placed in the perfect spot. Some refer to this perfect placement as the Goldilocks zone. And if you're familiar with the story of Goldilocks, we know that it's about a girl who goes into the, bear, or goes into the home of three bears. And while she's there, she finds a chair that's just the right size, not too small and not too big. She finds the porridge that's the perfect temperature. She finds the bed that's the, just the right amount of softness. Basically, she goes through this home and picks out everything that is just right. And when it comes to the planets, it seems that the earth was placed in just the right spot. Not too close to the sun, where we would burn up and die, and not too far away, where we would freeze. <clears throat> it just the, it's in just the right spot that earth is able to sustain life. And it's these reasons and other, others that we find in Genesis 1 that tells us that it's not by happenstance or luck that the earth ended up in this perfect place, but that an infinitely intelligent designer placed the earth where he wanted it in order for life to thrive. You may have studied science in the Bible or heard of the many sermons given from the pulpit that show that science and the Bible go together, that science doesn't disprove the Bible but in fact, science points to God as the creator. We can read of medical discoveries that weren't made into the re up until the recent past that have been in the Bible all along. Discoveries about the shape of the earth, the moon and the tides, the sun and the stars, concepts that have, men have struggled to comprehend for years, but again, were written in God's word. And I always enjoy these type lessons, and these, those lessons are very faith-building to me. But tonight I want to look at what we can learn from creation. How considering God and his creation around us can lead us to a, work, a closer walk with Christ. Creation is the act of God alone by which for his own glory he brought into existence everything in the universe. Things that had no existence prior to his creative word. We won't, we won't read all of Genesis 1 tonight, but I encourage you to go home and read through the chapter. Again, it's something that's very faith-building. But throughout chapter 1, we see God speak into existence all things, how he commanded, and it was so. Looking at Genesis 1, starting in verse 9. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herbs that yield seed and the fruit of their that yield fruit according to its kind. Those seeds in, is in itself on the earth and it was so. Verse 14, then God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be 
for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for light in the firmament of the heavens and give light to the earth. And it was so. In verse 24, and then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to its kind. And it was so. We see God's power in that all he had to do was speak and it came to be. The power and dominion he had to speak things into existence. This caused me to think of other instances in the Old Testament where we see the power of God on display. I think of the seven plagues that were brought upon Egypt. I think of the parting of the Red Sea. In Exodus 19, we can read where God descends on, the Mount, on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai, and we see the fear that that struck in the people of Israel, and we can see God's work in that. I also think of Noah and the flood, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, examples after examples where we see God's might on display. However, I believe that we can see God's power in our everyday life. Luke 19, verses 39 through 40. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Here in Luke 19, we find the account of Jesus entering Jerusalem for the last time. Uh, shortly after this, he would go to the cross. And multitudes of people had gathered, and the Bible says with loud voices were rejoicing and praising God as Jesus entered the city. And we see the Pharisees call out and call for Jesus to tell the people to be quiet. And he says, if these would keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out, that the stones would cry out in praise of Jesus. And I believe today God's creation cries out in praise of its creator. When we consider the beauty and intricacies of his creation and his mighty hand at work. And some of you might find that hard to believe living in West Texas. But I know my problem is that I jump in my pickups in the morning and go, go, go. I get tunnel vision and I'm focused on the tasks ahead. I'm focused on what I need to get done that day. I don't stop to take in the world around me. I don't stop to smell the roses, so to speak. To slow down and look at the dew on the grass, to consider the beauty and complexity of the crops growing in the field, of the animals out grazing, to take in the beauty and the magnitude of a sunset, to see God's hand in the thunderstorms and in his life-giving rains. God is the creator of heaven and of earth, the most magnificent artist. And the sky and these other things are just a few examples of his handiwork, where he displays his beauty and where we can see his creativity and greatness. Do we stop to consider the complexity of our own bodies? To consider all our cells and organs and their roles in sustaining our lives? Our ability to walk, to put one foot in front of the other, to breathe in and out, to smile, to feel emotions, the, thing we, the things we do so naturally every day, but yet we take for granted. We, we don't give credit where credit is due. All these abilities are direct from God and blessings that God has given us every day. I've been blessed to be able to watch Lawson grow and change over the past year, and it's amazing the amount of change that can happen in such a short time. And you think about all the babies and kids we have in this congregation, and it's amazing to watch them learn, watch them learn to crawl and to walk and to talk and to, 
you can see them experience things for the first time and see the wheels start turning as they figure out how the world works and how the things around them function. And that's amazing to watch. And it's these things that should cause us to stand in awe of our Creator as we sing tonight. <clears throat> Psalms 139, verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. A very popular sign, in, or a very popular verse, and one you might have hanging in your home or see on a sign at Hobby Lobby. But a verse that is often misconstrued to, complain, to claim that since God has made us just the way we are, we should embrace that and do whatever we want, do whatever comes naturally, giving us a license to sin. However, when we approach the scripture in the light of our depravity and our desperate need for God to mold us every day, we'll see that, we see that God is talking about the love, care, and creativity in which he fastened, fashioned the human body and each of us individually. God personally fashioned you cell by cell, designed the human body with unfathomable intricacies. The breath that God gave, with the breath of God gives us life, and we are continually sustained and held together by him. And we need to remember that God continues to sustain his creation. I think we often make the mistake of thinking God just created us and left us alone to let us fend for ourselves. We see how we spoke and interacted so closely with Abraham and Moses and Noah and all those examples in the Old Testament. But now that those, that time has ceased, that miraculous gifts have ceased, that we live in the new law, we think of God just sitting back and enjoying the show, so to speak. John 1 verse 3 says, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Colossians 1, verse 16 through 17, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All these were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him, and in him all things consist. God sustains our lives. We see in these scriptures that we are completely dependent on created things. Everything we have come from God. God. We cannot live a single day without relying on creation to survive. We see that God is intimately involved in sustaining his creation. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 27. <clears throat> Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, how they neither sow nor reap or neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? What do we tend to worry about? What often weighs us down? What often distracts us from glorifying and honoring God for what he's given us? Too often it's these things we read of in Matthew 7 that we're worried about what we will eat or drink, what we will wear, how we will clothe ourselves, asking what does the future hold, worrying about the future, trying to prepare for the future, when God says, I've got you, I've got you covered. Not that this gives us a right to sit back in the easy chair and <clears throat> take it easy and expect everything to be handed to us on a silver platter, but that we understand God has promised to provide for us. 
and that we shouldn't be ruled by our pursuit of these things here in Matthew 6 or become slaves to our worry. Last Sunday, we sang number 503, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. And I ask you to consider these words as we read through them. Verse 1 says, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from the sunshine for the skies they turn to gray. I don't worry for the future, for I know what Jesus says, and today I walk beside him, for he's what lies ahead. I don't know about tomorrow, it may bring me poverty, but the one who feeds the sparrows is the one who stands by me. And the path which is my portion may be through the flame or flood, but his presence goes before me, and I'm covered by his blood. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hands. This song and the scriptures we have looked at should bring us great comfort and peace to know that God has provided for us every day and should allow us to pause and appreciate his creation and all he has given us, to be in awe of the magnitude and splendor of what he's created. Psalms 148, verses 3 through 6. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise him, for he commanded and it was created. Back in one, Psalms 139, that we praise him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made that we thank him, that we thank him for the breath in our lungs, that we thank him for the stars, that we thank him for his daily provision. And by recognizing this, these things, it will lead us to reverence and respect God, that it will humble us and cause us to respond in love and obedience towards his will in our life. <clears throat> As we have noticed, everything in this universe, from the stars in the sky, to the creatures that walk the earth, glorify God by performing the specific function for which they were designed. We have seen that God doesn't make accidents, but is very intentional and precise in all that he has created. Everything created with a purpose. Again, I call you to consider the human body, and we consider the, the organs, the lungs, the heart, the liver. All these things play a specific function in keeping us alive. And same goes for all that God has created. And we often wonder what the point or what the purpose are of mosquitoes or flies, but they too have a purpose because they were created. We are all a creation of God, and with that creation comes a responsibility. In John 17, we see Jesus in prayer. In this prayer, we see him praying for himself and for the trials he's about to face, knowing that his death is near. John 17, starting in verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to, to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also, that your son also may glorify you. As ye have given him authority over all flesh, and he should give eternal life to as many as you, you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you are the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. 
Jesus says, I have glorified God on the earth. And you ask, how did Jesus glorify God? And we can see he answers that question with the very next statement. He says, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. I have, I have finished the work, therefore I have brought glory and honor to you. And Jesus could look back on his life and his ministry and say that, showing us that obedience to the will of the Father brings about glorification of God. We see in scriptures that much of our relationship with God and the commandments God has given us are based on the lives we live every single day. As we think of our service to God on a day-to-day -day basis, day in and day out, we don't have to be in a formal worship setting to glorify and praise God. But we do so by the everyday decisions we make. As a husband, you glorify God by loving your wife as Christ loved the church. As a wife, you glorify God by submitting to him as the church submits to Christ. As a parent, bringing up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you glorify him. As children, submitting to your parents by loving your neighbor as yourself, by submitting your life to Christ, we glorify him. We glorify God because we are fulfilling his purpose, the purpose in which he created us to fulfill. Romans 8 verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. That we serve and seek his purpose in our lives in the everyday decisions that we make, that we intentionally live for Christ, not seeking our self-appointed purpose, but our creator's. All things work together for good to those who love God. And John 14, 15 says, if we love God, we will keep his commandments. Not that we do any of this to heap praises upon ourselves, but again, we do it because we love God and we have a desire to honor him. Again, it's obedience to the will of the Father that brings about glorification of God. In Genesis, we also see this fall of men. That through Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin entered into the world. And we know that sin separates us from God. But in God's perfect plan, he created a way for us to be reconciled. We see in John chapter 12, we find Jesus talking about what is going to happen to him. How he is going to sacrifice himself for all mankind. John 12, starting in verse 27. Now my soul is troubled... And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Before this purpose, I come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then the voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said, it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoke to him. Jesus answered and said to him, this voice is not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. And, if, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This he said, signifying what death he would die. We see, see Jesus taught his disciples and the others in the first century church clearly about God's plan for him. 
<clears throat> and we see, again, God being glorified by Jesus fulfilling the purpose for which he was sent, by fulfilling God's plan. And it's through Jesus and his sacrifice that we can have our sins, for sins forgiven. Romans 5, verse 10 through 11, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. When we sin, we must be restored to or reconciled to God through the death of Jesus. Reconciliation or atonement is translated restoration to the divine or a making at one. And reconciliation is, us, is God bringing us back to himself. We are reconciled to him. And Jesus makes that rec reconciliation possible. And through that reconciliation, we can have a relationship with our creator. What a humbling thought. That the creator of the stars and the heavens, the creator that provides for us every single day, the one who spoke in the beginning and it was so, desires a relationship with you and I. The Almighty God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with him. And I know this point has been made from the pulpit again before, but I believe it's worth mentioning again. And I ask how many of you could pick up the phone and have a conversation with the President of the United States? To talk to him about your concerns, your needs, to ask him for help, and feel confident that he was listening and that he would help you. I'm not even confident that I could have a conversation or have a phone call with the mayor of Plainview and felt that my needs were being met. But 24-7, any hour of the day, we can have a conversation with our Creator. And He has promised to hear us and to help us. And we can go to the Father with our worries, our fears, and seek Him in times of, times of need. And we can go to His inspired Word to find those answers that we seek. Finding all the things pertaining to life and godliness. Do we recognize the power of that? Do we see what an amazing blessing that is? What a privilege that is that we don't deserve? I know it's something that I too often take for granted. Psalms 105, verses 3 through 5. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his, seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he hath done, his wonders and the judgment of his mouth. I pray that we recognize what a privilege it is to know our Creator, to seek a relationship with Him daily, to know and experience the strength and power we can obtain over the devil when we remain constant in prayer and a study of His Word. I hope the study has been encouraging to you tonight and will lead you to pause and to be thankful for what God has created. In closing, I ask, if you woke up in the morning and only had what you thanked God for yesterday, what would you be left with? And how would that change the way you give thanks and the way you talk to God? We like to offer the Lord's invitation at this time. If there's anyone that's struggling and needs the help of God and of the congregation here, we'd love to help you in any way and pray for you. If there's someone who's been sufficiently taught tonight and desires to uh, obey their Lord in baptism, please come as we stand and sing.